I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. We are in a series uh, called Proverbs, and it's about right relationships. Last week, uh, Pastor John, he preached on the wisdom of Proverbs for our marriages. Today, we're going to talk about right parenting. On September 6th, 1997, my daughter Emily was born. Right here, Anderson Mercy. Instantly, I became a dad. She was placed in my arms. They cleaned her up. She was placed in my arms first because my wife, Kim, was under anesthesia. My first words to her as I held her, there you are. There you are. Finally, she came, and I rejoiced. I praised God. When we drove her back to Mount Orb, Ohio, uh, there in Greenbush on Route 68, where I was a student pastor at Union Plains United Methodist Church, I had the hazard lights on. I drove 10 miles per hour below the speed limit. Kim sat in the back next to her car seat. We had precious cargo, and everything changed in our lives. Man, I can't imagine being a parent of small children today. Things are a lot different from 1970 or 1997. What about today? What are some of those challenges, my friends, that our parents are are going through and single parents and guardians, foster parents? Studies have shown that the biggest challenges of being parents these days are are the hectic schedules of the work-life balance taking our kids to different places, meeting, hopefully meeting their demands of what they need to do in sports and other activities. There's a fear of saying no by parents, which can have an effect on the moral morality of a child. The influences of social media, of the World Wide Web, of the TV and other gadgets. Living in a culture of blame and a culture of shame, lacking trust and understanding. There's challenges of of receiving a quality education, worrying about the future and the direction, especially of our nation. And then for parents, single parents and and, uh, families. In these challenges, man, we need, oh, we need God's help. We need God's wisdom. We need the church, man. We do. Where do we get it? From the Bible and the Bible's teaching. Those boundaries that the Bible helps us make. And we find in the book of Proverbs so much godly wisdom, my friends, that is treasure for our hearts. It's anointing for our lives. Proverbs was written 3,000 years ago, but it's a book of godly wisdom. And Solomon prayed for that wisdom, and God gave him that wisdom. And he utilized that wisdom in the book of Proverbs. It's foundational in helping in relationships. You can't study Proverbs without reading many passages on parenting. Children are gifts from God on loan to us. And that parenting is a high calling. We have the opportunity to impart in the next generation to give them skills to help them succeed in the knowledge and love of God that will be passed on for generations to come. 
What's your legacy going to be? What are your ideals? The esteemed title, mommy or daddy or, or grandma or grandpa or guardian comes with tremendous responsibility. And now that you've been thrust into the most important part of your life, your everyday choices suddenly become long-term implications for your children. And like it or not, you're faced with the realization, for good or bad, parents influence the lives of future generations in ways we can't even possibly imagine. And family systems have to remain strong, focused on the Lord. No pressure. <laughs> it's all part of the job. Throughout the, the progression of diapers to diplomas to our uh, kids having their own family, there's this overarching issue that confronts every Christian. And that's the spiritual growth of our children. We were created. The spirit was created first. The material came second. It's all about the spirit in us. And we read in Proverbs 22.6, one of the foundational uh, verses in the Bible, train up your child. Start off with children in the way they should go. Even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And so what does this mean? What does this mean to train, to, to start them off in a good way? Is it potty training? Is it athletic training? Maybe we promised ourselves that we won't make the same mistakes that our, our parents made with us. But beyond that, we're most likely hard-pressed to come up with clear, coherent, biblical statement on what is involved in training a child in choosing the right path. And at this point, you might say, what about the church? Isn't the spiritual training for our kids the church's responsibility, we might say? I believe the spiritual training of a child was never meant to be regulated to a single hour on a Sunday morning. Rather, spiritual training was meant to be lived out every day before our children by loving parents, guardians, and grandparents. Look at Deuteronomy 5.29. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commands forever so that it might go well with them and their children forever. <laughs> Look at Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're walking along on the road. When you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols on the hands, on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This communicates that our love for God is supposed to happen in the home during the course of everyday life and be on display for our children to see. You know, the context of this passage in Deuteronomy is one long sermon given by Moses before his death. And it recounts the teachings of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. And he tells the stories to the generations, and he tells them to tell the stories of God to the generations below them. And God gives Moses instructions to give to Israel, and he exhorts the Israelites to, regarding God's law to be communicated thoroughly. 
It's an exhortation to love and to fear God, to be in awe of his wisdom and his majesty and his glory and wonder. And keeping in his commandments was to be passed on to those generations. And they were very, very concerned about that. Do you know that the Jews, when they taught, when they teach the word of God, sometimes they use a page that's soaked in honey and they trace the letters of the law with that honey so that they can taste the sweetness of the law of the Lord. This is called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, Yahweh is one. Yahweh is our God. And it's followed by that great commandment that Jesus talks about, that all the law and the prophets are, are set upon that commandment to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And this is the first teaching to our kids and love our neighbors as our, we love ourselves. To love God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus does say that. All the law and prophets are founded upon this. We must not forget what follows these two magnificent verses. The words of the Lord are to be on our hearts. We are to teach them, our children, make them a part of everything that we do. Our sitting, our walking, our lying down, our rising. The plain truth is, is it's our responsibility as parents to be the primary spiritual trainer for our own children. So whereby we have to pick up the torch. The task isn't reserved, my friend, for seminary graduates or for your pastor or people with a lifelong line of faith. It's meant for every person wearing that label, mommy, daddy, guardian, grandma, grandpa. You might say, how, Jonathan? How am I supposed to be a spiritual trainer for my child? I've never been to seminary. I've never taught a Bible class. How do I train up my, my child in the way he or she should go? How is that should be modeled? Don't panic, my friends. It's easy. I'll give it to you today. To train up a child to know Jesus is to love Jesus. It's to serve Jesus. It's to model that. Not be a professional theologian. It requires a commitment to start that process and becoming intentional about it. Whether you're a new believer or you've been a Christian for years, you may not know all the answers. It's okay. But teaching your child can present a great opportunity to learn more about your faith right alongside your kids and to tell them why, why you love Jesus. Beloved, the number one advantage is, is that you're there to be able to do that. Children are like sponges. Sometimes I, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I couldn't believe some of the things that would come out of my, my daughter or my son's mouth. I'd be like, what? Oh, it came out of my mouth. <laughs> kids soak up everything, don't they? They do, both the good and bad. Emily used to have this little, little pony. It was a blue pony on wheels. And we were at a parsonage in Fletcher, Ohio, close to Piqua. And she had this little baby called Miracle Baby. And it was, you know, one of those babies that just talks and stuff. And, and she would dress it up as a little baby. And she would put it underneath her, her uh, shirt like she was pregnant. And she'd go rolling on this little horse like she was the donkey, like Mary on the donkey. And then she'd go behind the couch. And you would hear her. And she would pop out from behind the couch with Miracle Baby and said, so tell uh, Kim and I, Mommy, Daddy, Jesus is born. <laughs> Jesus is born. And it was so doggone cute, man. 
I wish we had a videotape back then. She was imitating the stories of God. That encouraged me, encourages me of how I'm supposed to live and love. It also reminds me that my children are in my care and looking after my example. Our children will imitate us. Just as the moon reflects the sun, so the Christians should reflect the Son of God. We're made in God's image, but we're not perfect like him, are we? We are works in progress. As we grow closer to him, there should be some family resemblance between us and our Father. And the things I say and do are characteristics of him. And forgiveness is one of the practices that we should always set before our kids. Forgive just as we have been forgiven by our heavenly Father. We lead by loving Jesus. The biggest blessings that you can give to your kids is a righteous life of integrity before God. You can't pass on what you don't possess. You can't cultivate in them what hasn't captivated you. So before talking to them about training them, our children, we need to ask, am I living righteously and with integrity before God? Your challenge, I believe, is to help your children fall in love with Jesus and experience his abundant life. So don't wait to become intentional about passing down your faith, no matter how old your kid is. Spiritual training isn't going to happen by accident. Every summer... Uh, usually in July, I would spend a couple weeks with my, my grandma, Mary Coleman. She lived in a one-bedroom apartment in Western Hills on the west side of Cincinnati, just off of Glenway Avenue. Mary Coleman was a saint. <laughs> she was a practicing Catholic woman. She was so short and tiny. I was way above her. And she would often tell us, I'm not fat. I'm just fluffy. <laughs> And I would flap her arms, flap the fat on her arms and stuff. Just always remember these little things. And she hugged me. She loved me. I, even when I puked on her, she would, she would love me. And as a practicing Catholic woman, she would take me to Mass. She would take me to visit her friends, which most of them were in nursing homes. She made me tell them about who I was and what I wanted to do and be. She was Jesus with skin on, man. She was. She made me want to live a life that was incredibly pleasing to God. And just like my mom and dad, Grandma Mary Coleman loved me despite my flaws. Just before I graduated high school, she passed away suddenly from a, a blood clot. I was completely devastated. But I believe her prayers were answered because I used to hear her pray for me and my brothers. All my brothers and their wives are Christians. And I believe it came because of her prayers. Your prayer for your child and grandchild is so vital. Proverbs 27 says the righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. And the fiber of her Christian living is bound within me and my DNA, man. And when we do the right thing and we live our lives, as Proverbs 27 says, our children will be blessed by it. It's a part of our legacy. It's a part of your legacy. Who or what 
is influencing your child or grandchild. Electronics, social media, TV shows, video games, teachers and their peers. What are they really learning about? The Bible teaches us that we are to train up our children, as Proverbs says. Our children and grandchildren, our spiritual children, based on the way we live and act on a daily basis. You do it because I said so. It's never effective. It's kind of a command. It's counter-effective. If adults don't live it, kids may obey out of, out of fear, but won't change. it won't change their hearts. Kids may just learn to obey their parents in order to avoid punishment. We lead our children by our example. You're a leader. You are a leader, my friends. We're being watched by them. Proverbs has so much to say about how our parents ought to lead them at their homes for wise decision-making, teach them to fear the Lord by living a faithful life. And that tight, intimate relationship with Jesus is the most important commitment we have as parents. And this means spending time with Jesus daily, my friends. Worshiping, watch, having your kids watch you worship and love on Jesus. Pray. And reading his word and having them taught his word. This will bless children by strengthening us to love them as well and lead them in what matters most. It will also bless our children by showing us, showing them what authentic faith usually, or authentic faith truly is in Jesus Christ in daily life. As the saying goes, some of life's best lessons are caught, not taught. Don't just teach them, show them. If you want to have your kids have a vision for living their lives for Jesus, let them catch it by watching you. So what is this involved in training up a child? First, it's by habits. Habits. There it is. That's that word. Teaching them godly habits. Make a habit of showing them spiritual disciplines, my friends. We have five habits here at Anderson Hills. We practice that as we become members and involved here. We read our scripture. We spend time with God. We serve God. We worship God. We connect with other Christians in community. And we serve. Make a habit of telling them and showing them that you love them unconditionally just as God loves you unconditionally. And without trying to have them make and earn their love. Be affectionate with them. Kiss their cheeks, kiss their ears, <laughs> kiss them, hug them, love them. Both my mom and dad tell me after every conversation, they live in Florida, after every conversation on the phone, my dad and my mom put me on speakerphone and I hear, we love you, John. We love you. When I counsel some men, some of the most painful things I hear is a man who has never heard the words, I love you, from their father. Or I'm proud of you. Or you're everything to me. Don't you want your child and your grandchild to be conduits of love and grace? They have to see it. They have to be shown that. Make a habit of always loving. Next is investing. That means spending time with them. Investing in their lives for a spiritual exponential return. This takes time. You know what? I'm going to be real controversial here. 
There's one device that's doing some most devastating damage to family systems. It's this. The cell phone. There's a lot of people addicted to their cell phones. Sometimes you walk into a restaurant, you see families sitting around a table, and all of them are looking at their cell phones. We're not talking to each other. We're not loving on each other. This thing is draining our brains, man. It is. We need cell phone-free zones in the family household. Taking time to invest in their lives. Allowing gadgets to be tossed aside. And you, you be the entertainment. You be the love. You be the vision before them. Don't give up. Showing them those boundaries around those electronic devices. Parental authority is given to us to raise our children in the ways of God, not to control them through other means. Parents lead their lives by investing in them and shepherding in them. Leaders lead by example, walking in the right way of the Lord our God. The thing is that we cannot give what we don't have. Next, is inspiring our kids. Everyone wants to be inspired. How do we inspire our young people, our children? First, you have to build them up with your words. You use your God-given wisdom. Be enthusiastic about it. The word enthusiastic, it comes from a Greek word, entheu, which means God in you. Isn't that cool? Enthusiastic about truth. Enthusiastic about love. Enthusiastic about when you see them practice forgiveness and the many other things in which they live out their morality in incredible ways. Be enthusiastic about maintaining that incredible way in which you can surround them and say, that a boy, (laughs) that a girl. Have integrity. Be empathetic. Maintain a positive outlook always. And practice that gratitude before them. And set clear goals. Let them know about your goals. And strive to achieve those goals. This inspires children. Our, uh, our staff is uh, Pam Swartz and her husband Tim. Uh, Sue Lee told me that they bring their uh, grandchildren to serve meals at the uh, Salem campus on Thursdays. Um, their grandchildren are seven and nine. And one of their grandchildren, Noah, uh, he likes to pray. And so Sue Lee asks him to, to pray for people and everyone. And they love hearing uh, him pray for them. And the, the kids, the, the folks, they clap their hands after Noah prays. And those grandparents, uh, Pam and Tim, they've influenced those grandkids to take leadership. Grandmother Pam is investing in their future, and Grandfather Tim as well. Not just spending time with their grandchildren, but actually allowing them to participate. That's inspiration. The next is discipline. You know, we hear that term, spare the rod, spoil the child. It's kind of become a modern-day proverb on the wisdom of discipline. But trust me, I'm not advocating for you to beat your kid with a rod. (laughs) It means that if a parent refuses to discipline an unruly child, that child will grow accustomed to getting his or her own way and develop an air of entitlement. With no boundaries, that child will become a spoiled brat. 
Proverbs 13, 24 says this. Whoever spares the rod hates their child. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. According to this bit of wisdom, withholding discipline is akin to hating a kid. Correction means loving them. In other words, allowing a child to always do as he or she pleases is not beneficial to that child. Boundaries have to be maintained. We have to protect those fences. Loving action will guide that child from a sinful way and help them, help them walk on a righteous path of faith. Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. So discipline gets rid and washes away folly. Discipline is critical for wisdom, and the child who obeys his or her parents will become wise. We have to have standards and expectations to mold our kids and make sure we guard those standards and expectations with discipline. Sometimes those standards and expectations, man, they need to be written out for a kid on a chalkboard or a, or a, a dry erase marker board. The primary point of the biblical proverb is that loving discipline benefits a child. Parents sometimes think the hands-off approach is the best way to raise a kid. But parents who truly love their child will provide wise and appropriate discipline. That's the way of, of maintaining uh, bad behavior, correcting bad behavior. Correction is a blessing and prevents shame. And undue hardship down the road. God himself. He disciplines us. Why? Because he loves us. We need correction as well. For our good. In order that we may share in his holiness. Right now I want to take some time to pray. If if the band wants to start coming forward. um, Come on up here now and. Maybe you can play some cool music behind my prayer. <laughs> That's always nice when a pastor gets that, man. It's, it's, it's just it's wonderful. Thanks, Eric. We'll make sure it's cool. Yeah. Make it be cool. Cool for J. Cole. Cool for J. Cole. <laughs> J. Cool. You know, if you're a parent here or, or a single mom, or, or I, I just, if you just want to hold hands, maybe with the person sitting next to you, it's, it's okay. People don't bite anymore. If they do, just pray they have their shots updated. So, um, but I want to, I want to, I want to pray. I want to pray for you, you parents, you grandparents, you foster parents, you you guardians, spiritual parents. Let's pray. Lord teaches parents. Be joyful in hope and patient in tribulation. Help them to continue steadfastly in prayer, even when it seems like life is getting more complicated. As you are patient with us, Father, help us, help these parents to be patient with their children, with their families. Let mothers and fathers be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Father, we pray that right now parents be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work that you have given them. Knowing that their labor is not in vain, dear Lord. And we pray that parents would be strengthened to run this race with endurance. Looking to Jesus, 
who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And remind parents here that Jesus himself is a joy set before all believers. When we grow weary, you do not. (laughs) Show us what it looks like to wait on you. God, your word promises that if we need wisdom, we just ask for it, you'll give it. And right now, these parents need wisdom in every part of their lives. Dealing with small conflicts at the home or uh, major decisions for their family's well-being. We know that wisdom starts with fearing you. And we know that wisdom is precious above anything else. And we know that wisdom comes from you alone. Please give these parents the spirit of wisdom to guide them in these days. Father, as much as anything right now, we need to trust you with all our hearts, not leaning on our own understanding, but rather acknowledging you in all our ways. God, in our weakness, we cry out to you to be our strength. Strengthen our beliefs. Father, this is a precarious and unpredictable season in our nation right now. Parents need to know that your grace is sufficient for them. That Jesus made a way for parents to approach your throne with grace, with confidence, to receive that grace and mercy that we all desperately need. And as you have lavished your grace upon us, Lord, we pray that parents would show that grace to everyone around them, especially their children. Bless each legacy here weave that fiber of righteousness throughout every person here right now, God. A fiber of righteousness and love and power. Every legacy here, a legacy of godliness. We thank you. We thank you, God, for your discipline, for all of the benefits that you bestow upon us so freely given by you. Pour it out. And all beloved children of God say, Amen.